This weekend on Sportsmanlike Conduct, we'll get back into college football. Week one, what happened for Michigan and Michigan State? One game was a little bit closer than it probably should have. The other game was close, but the Wolverines didn't get the result they wanted. And then for the first time ever, we will bring in fantasy football, which just starts this week, into the podcast. We'll talk about that, what you should have at positions, what you shouldn't have. And then we'll give you our usual studs and duds and all that and more coming up on Unsportsmanlike Conduct next. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct once again, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald. And straight across from me today, I, I got a seat change up going on in here. I'm not sure how much I like it. But straight across from me today is uh, Evan Petzold. He, uh, he's right across from me. And then to my right now is Elena Hess. So, guys, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I like the seat change. I like being able to, you know, stare you straight in the eyes as I'm, as I'm burning you up with, uh, with my hot takes. But, but, no, it's good. You know, good to be back. The, the thing is, you know, this is week two in the school year. This is where, you know, syllabus week is done. We're into the real stuff now where, you know, Teachers are piling on homework, and you don't want to do it, and you just want to, you know, do your own thing, and you know, you know how it is, and that that's exactly. how it is for me right now. But just getting used to it again is is weird. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm just found out I might not be here much longer. Uh, I'm getting surgery again, so uh, we'll see. Still uh, up in the air right now if I'm gonna be moving away or not. So it's sad news. Sad. That was fun of a group that's been together for a while, but. I guess we'll just have to wait and find out what yeah, happens. Yeah, we'll so just wait. Hopefully you stick <laughs> with us, but, I mean, God, do what's good for you as well. So um, I'm doing good, if anybody cared. But I care. Don't, so oh, I care. care. <laughs> we talk like that's every day, so I, I didn't even think to ask. That, that's how that's going, but, you know, I'm here. So we're talking about sports again, and I, th- this game, I'm not going to lie to you, got my uh, my feathers ruffled a little bit. But Let's not, hear it. Not for the reason of what happened on the field by Michigan in any means. The reaction that it got off the field. Michigan lost 24-17 to um, to Notre Dame on the road, first game of the season against the number 12 ranked team in the country. And the amount of hate that I saw on Twitter and Facebook and whatever, not even just from the normal, you know, haters that just hate on Michigan no matter what, mock them if they lose, not that kind of stuff. Just the ridiculous amount of criticism towards Shea Patterson for number one. I don't know who, if you guys were watching the same game as me, anybody out there that critiqued him, but... 20 of 30 for 227 yards and one interception. He made a mistake. What he would probably expect in a first game for a quarterback. I don't think it was the worst performance that he he could have had. I think at times he didn't manage the game the greatest. And maybe to start the second half, he didn't do very good. But overall throughout that game, I think he played well. And the way that he finished after coming out of an injury, I think it was something that if you're a Michigan fan, um, you could look at as positivity um, going forward. And I think that this was a tough game. I think this is a good Notre Dame defense that he went up against, and sure, it wasn't perfect, but they got a lot of people that they're going to have to get working in the system, and he's got to get used to some people, and it really bugged me that he got as much hate as he did. Um, and everything about Jim Harbaugh, okay? This guy, yeah, he's got to win, and I've said that since last year. He's got to start winning these kind of games. But at the end of the day, he's got four more chances to beat ranked teams um, coming into the season that are not, not just any ranked teams. They're top-ranked teams still in the country right now. He's going to have more chances to do it. Now, if he doesn't do it this year and it's by, you know, talk to me after week 10, if Michigan's sitting there at, you know, seven and three, six and four, whatever, then absolutely he should be someone that's getting complained about. He lost this game by seven points with a new quarterback on the road. I didn't really expect Michigan to go in there and win this game. I thought they would because I thought they simply had better ability. Notre Dame had a couple of really big plays early that hurt the Michigan defense. Obviously, they showed what kind of a defense they are in the second half compared to the first, what I think they will be for the rest of the year. But the hate on Jim Harbaugh was ridiculous this week. Give the guy more time than week one to be better. And I don't know how you guys feel about it. I kind of feel the same. I mean, 
they have a lot of new guys on the field. They got a new quarterback. I mean, they're all still trying to mesh. Like you said, it's week one. Um, Notre Dame had a great defense. They had a lot of ball pressure. So, honestly, yeah. I don't really think that Shea Patterson played that bad either. You just said it. Ball pressure. Where are Michigan's tackles this entire game? They're still not there. And that's on Harbaugh. He didn't have some of these guys prepared. I'm not going to say he coached a perfect game or anything like that. I wouldn't go as far to say he was outcoached. I really think that Notre Dame had a couple really big plays. That catch in the end zone for the second touchdown, that guy's not going to make a catch like that again for the rest of the season. It went right through a defender's hands, right into the receiver's hands. It's it's not the not the ideal score, I guess, or what you would see every single day. That was a great play. That's a touchdown that mattered a lot. Michigan had a hit from Chase Winovich in the back that handed Notre Dame a touchdown because they got a first down handed off of it. They don't get that. It's probably a field goal. It could be a different game. There's a lot of things that went into it. I know we're sick of saying what ifs if you're a Michigan fan, but at the end of the day, this it's to me, it's just still week one. Evan, help me out here. What do you what are you thinking? I I don't really know. I, I don't. Um, you know, but at the same time, I look at I look at Shea's numbers and yeah, not bad, right? You know, twenty for thirty, two twenty seven. You know, no touchdowns, but you know, one interception, not awful. I don't know. I just feel like it was really conservative. I feel like there was there was almost like a lot of a fear, almost like a fear factor. You know, where was the deep ball? You know, I mean, we saw the one to Nico and 52 yards. Let's go. That was great. But like, it just felt so conservative to me. Like, I I don't even know how to feel about either. And and also, like, you know, you ran Karan 21 times. Karan Higdon. Where where's Chris Evans? Why 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 is he why is he taking two carries for one yard? Where where is True Wilson, your third string running back, who was supposed to be there and supposed to be evident? You know where where is you know Donovan Peoples Jones? He goes you know one carry for seven yards on that end around. Like wh- like where is he? Did where play is more a lot. of that? He did play a lot, and, and yeah, he, he caught six passes too. But why not bring him into the run game a little bit more and and have him you know pull off a couple jet couple more jet sweeps? Like why is there only one? It was almost seems like it was just so one dimensional. And I know play calling was something that was a huge deal last season, but even looking at it this year, it was just really predictable. It was like, like it walking was, back in a in a like yeah, you got in a time zone yeah. and you went back to last year. Well, it was almost like you knew that Shea Patterson was gonna throw, you know, anywhere between five to 12, 13 yards, or Karan Higdon was gonna carry the ball. There was nothing other than that. There you didn't have to Very there was nothing else you needed. You, you, all you had to do was stop those two things and it's game over, you win. And that's all it was for for Notre Dame. There really wasn't there really wasn't anything anything special. They didn't have to do all. anything in the second half to still win the game. That's that's where it. I mean, they kicked a field goal. So at, at the end of the day, it's like again, Michigan. It was like living in a time in a time warp, where Michigan's defense started a little slow, gave up points, then they came on, but the offense couldn't do anything after that. You I mean, want, sure they had well, a touchdown in the game, but yeah, you want to know what else is disturbing though? That that fifty-two yard pass from Shea Patterson to Nico Collins. That was the longest through the air connection between a quarterback and wide receiver for Michigan since 2012. That's it's sad. ridiculous. Yeah, that's and sad. That's that. But there you go. The one thing you're saying to me right now is Shea Patterson. He's a guy that actually he can complete a pass. Okay, he can throw to an open receiver and he can hit the guy. He made that clear in that game. Now he's one of those mobile quarterbacks that's going to worry you all season because he doesn't know how to get rid of the ball. As he showed, him, he got sacked in that one play for about 20 yards. All that. He's got to learn how to be better with that, and that's got to come from Harbaugh and, and that coaching staff to be able to get him ready. But overall, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. The play calling was very bland again. Karan Higdon got the ball somebody too many times. I don't know why you didn't use Chris Evans at all. You got to use him at least a little bit. I'm also and not. This, I'm, well, hang on. I'm not saying that. Here's my thing. 
you know, I mentioned I just gave you the stat, you know, longest longest yeah. QB to wide receiver, you know, connection since 2012. But it's not like they didn't have guys that could throw the football either. Like, Will and Spate can chuck it yeah, downfield. Yeah, for sure. Like, Jake Rudock, he could chuck it downfield. It's really surprised me that, he, that like, he never threw anything around 50 yards. I feel like Brandon he, Peters can chuck the ball down the field. Like, none of these guys are, like, a pure dual threat um, quarterback or, like, a pure, you know, running type quarterback, like a, like a Denard or, you know, somebody like that that you just, uh, okay, that makes and sense. Jake Rudock had good receivers, too, and Jamie Chester. Good, and I know. Well, here's my thing, too, though, is, like, with Shea at Ole Miss, he aired out all the time. Yeah. He always he always threw the ball up. Where where is that? I, I understand that it's not your culture, but you also have to develop to your quarterback. Like Absolutely. You, you yeah, he did it yeah. he did it with Rudock. Well, here's the thing though, you can't bring Shea Patterson into an offense and say, Yeah, you know, we want you to run this this offense like you're Denard Robinson. Nope, doesn't work that way. You gotta you gotta almost like conform to your quarterback. Otherwise you're absolutely you're absolutely screwed. You're canned. If they're gonna try to turn this guy into a you know, let let's 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 hit players for you know seven, eight, nine, ten, up to, to fifteen yards, and and that's about it. It's not gonna work. It's, gonna it's not gonna work. That's not his game. That's not too. his game. He's not he's not like a. Yeah, he can move the chains like that. Yeah, but he's not like that in a sense that he has that swagger, that poise, that you know he kind of walks mm-hmm. around with a little I, bit I of something extra. I love the confidence I saw in the kid, and when he got mad. Yeah. He was he was frustrated when things didn't go his way. That's what you want to see out of somebody because I didn't see that out of Wilton Spate when he was at Michigan. But th- then that's what I'm saying too, though, is if he's got this swagger, this confidence, let the man air it out. Yeah. Let him throw the football down the field to Nico Collins, to Donovan Peoples Jones, Oliver Martin. These these kids are tall too. Like it's not like they're you know Grant Perry size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grant Perry's great for you know catching stuff. runs and all that kind of stuff. But if you got a guy like Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples Jones and and Oliver Martin. Use them, and then also, what about what about the tight ends? Yeah, not much. What about the tight ends? Combine for McEwen, yeah, they, catch, yeah. but I really <laughs> no, they, no, they combined for four receptions for twenty-one yards. It's not enough. That's not enough. It, where where is that too? Like it's just the There's play calling man is just absolutely, absolutely awful, and it, it almost just. It almost blows your mind because that was supposed to be the change. That was the difference. We we that's what was that's what was preached. The, you know the the play calling is going to change. The offensive line is going to be better. The offensive line sucked, dude. The offensive line was awful. Bad again. It's like no change. Elena. No, they, they said they said John Runyon Jr. was the most improved player on this team. I didn't see it. Not at all. They're, I did not their see tackles it. Tackles allowed pressure all game. It was Shea dropped back three steps. He felt like he had to get out of the pocket. Elena, mm-hmm. what's what's your answer to this well, offense right now? I mean, the whole game, I was confused, like you guys. Like, why? I mean, we're expecting him to go in there and throw the football, and then the whole game, we're just kind of waiting for it. And when it's not working out, why aren't you changing it up? <laughs> like you said, like the play calling is just not there. So, I mean, it is, I mean, it's early, and I'm, I don't, not giving up on them. I didn't really know if they were going to come in here and take this game from them, but I mean, they put themselves into a position to win at the end, and he, then they didn't, but. No, and, and this is a thing too. Shea Patterson getting ready to hike the football. And I understand you want to get him to try oh, to, God, to jump yeah. off. Yeah. But how many times do you, you have, have to, to clap, clap your hands, hands before you snap you're a fan, the you're sitting freaking in front of your football? TV, man, you're about to literally throw your hand through with Dylan how long McCaffrey it's comes in, though, and, man, he looked he look good. He looked good. I mean, no, because this guy, Dylan McCaffrey, was moving. He was moving the ball on the field. Yeah. He was not... <laughs> no, no, he was... He was hike, boom, pass, let's go. Next play. I like agree. He, he looked good, it. but he also looked a little 
a little gumpy to me, almost like he wasn't smooth with it. Well, he's never, he he never played it down a college football I understand before. that. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I agree with them putting Shea Patterson I'm back not saying game. Dylan McCaffrey's a better quarterback right now. I'm not saying yeah. that they should have kept him in. I'm just saying I like the way that he moved the ball. And why can't we do who, who wouldn't that watched it? He did good. I mean, he but moved why the ball. can't why can't Shea Patterson do? Why do we have to clap our hands three times? Why do we have to look over the sidelines <laughs> ten times before we hike the ball? That's where preparation. Why do we have to wait till one second left in the play clock to hike the football? Just like why? That's where preparation came in again for me. They looked like they were not a team prepared he's for a two prepared. minute drill to get down the field. I, they just didn't look like it. I, that's him. Re- that's him going through motions. That's him doing what they do every single play. They obviously practice it like that. You practice a two minute drill. So whoever whoever showed him that that was it, and I don't know if it's just because of the noise in the crowd, if that's what it was, like to be able to get that off, you can't hear your own people, you have to clap. I mean, you saw it multiple times. It had to be loud there. There was times where at the end of the clock, he's literally clapping his hands like, give me the ball. I mean, I saw that multiple times throughout that game. I assume so it was loud, but that's probably still, why did, that was did, a part of it. He did it all game. He did it a lot, and at that point at that point in the game, if that center sees the hands go once, it should be coming back to him. There's no oh, more. Yeah. There's no more worrying about if someone's going to jump off sides or anything. It was very frustrating. You got to score the football. I agree with it. Western Michigan this week, coming out against them. What I guess just real quick, what do you guys expect to see in this game? Is it going to be close? It's, is it going to be? It's is gonna, Earth Michigan going to oh, come out mad and pull the doors no, off? No, it's it's going to be close. You think it's going to be real close? Okay, I'll take the opposing side. I don't think it's going to be close. Why do you think? Why do you think? And I'll, I'll jump over to why I think. You know, the other. I just think that they'll they'll take a lot away from this game, and they'll they'll get every they'll they're going to air it out. I I'm going to say they're going to air it out this game. They're going to get a lot of things figured out, and I just think they got it. I don't know, man. I, I think you know John Wasik from Western Michigan. He he's a guy who can let the football fly in a, in a different way than Shea Patterson showed that he could. Um, not to say that that you know Wasik's a better quarterback or nothing like that, but. You know, the pure fact that he threw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns against Syracuse, I mean, it was a loss, but he, he let the ball fly, yeah. and they could yeah. they can score the football. And that's the thing. I'm not saying Syracuse's defense is anything like, you know, Michigan's, but I I'll ask know. you real quick. How many points did they give up to the Old Orange? Did they give up to Syracuse? Yeah. 55? That's where I think this game is going to be different. That's why I okay. think Michigan. I think Michigan is going to come out mad in this game. I think they're going to come out and look like they have something to prove because this team didn't. This team was different to me, the way they lost this game. It didn't look like it was just the laid back, oh, well, we lost again. Like, I felt I, – just seeing some anger in some of those players' faces, I feel like it's going to be different this time. I feel like Michigan's going to come out, blow the doors off of Western Michigan. That doesn't have a defense, apparently, this year. I think Michigan shows a lot more and, and does well. Yeah, I guess so. that was the thing, too, though, is Michigan showed us one game and, and Western only shown one game, too. Like, we don't know – You don't really know. You don't know what else be, might yeah. be in store, which is – It was at home, too, for Western. Mm-hmm. And they give that many points to Syracuse. Now, so. I don't think Syracuse. I mean, Central's played at Syracuse in past years. They don't give that many points to Syracuse. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that I think right now uh, Michigan's gonna have it handled. But I think Michigan's got the game. They're gonna win it. But well, I think yeah, it's gonna be close. It's gonna be closer than people think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it very well could be. Mac teams coming to don't be surprised. Like it's a fourth quarter it. game, man. Yep. In state too. There's. It just. Happens. I'll tell you what was a fourth quarter game. Michigan State and Utah State. <laughs> Wow. And cool. I, you know what? I think, okay, Michigan State gets these games going every year where they do this Friday thing to open the season. They need to stop doing that because it doesn't seem to work out for them. It seems to be a scary game every single year. Until they get the win, I'm still picking Michigan State to win my Big Ten. This did not change my view at all because this stuff happens a lot. But either way, man, wow. I, I really thought Utah State had it. And the way they were driving the ball, after they got the intentional grounding on the last drive, quarterback still found a way. I uh, love, he still found a way. To be able to get it down the field, get that third and fifteen, got in the fifty yard line, but again a, a tipped interception ended the game for him. They end up losing uh, thirty one to thirty eight to Michigan State. But 
I mean, Lewerke, pretty good game, 23-33, 287 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. It's it's good. I don't think it's great against a team like Utah State, but it's good. Um, LJ Scott, 23 carries for 84 yards. I mean, I don't know if Utah State's got a really good rush defense, but that's not the best numbers, especially without a score. So I feel like there's a lot more that Michigan State really uh, has in front of them on their offense than they might have thought. They had a problem scoring the ball last year. They were a lower-ranked team on the big time with getting the ball in the end zone. So, I mean, really, is this game an alarm for Michigan State fans, or is this just you woke up late and, you know, you you didn't play to your full abilities on Friday night? I think that... It was just they woke up. I mean, they woke up. They were just kind of, like, laid back, like, oh, we got this. It's just, I mean, they do this, like you said. I mean, we're, they're kind of used to it. Michigan State fans are kind of used to it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just sweat out another one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's that's the way that it was. I mean, for anybody that watched it, I mean, it it was back and forth. It wasn't just, you know, Utah State made a late, like, come, in, come back in this game. No, it was, it was close all the way through. And I constantly got updates that, you know, until I actually started to watch the game myself, um, I constantly got updates throughout it that it was just, you know, back and forth, getting close, and that's where they were at. Evan, is this an alarm to Michigan State fans? I don't think so, and, and not not right now. You know, you look at the Michigan-Notre Dame game, and you can see, you know, because you know what Notre Dame is capable of, but Utah State, you don't really know what they're capable mm-hmm. of. You know, they're, they're a team where they they could end up pulling off, you know, six, seven, eight wins this year and, and you know, trying to have a, a decent season, but you just don't know that yet because – you know, they're a team that, you know, they're not one of the teams that are highly scouted and highly profiled, and there's not a ton of information on everybody. So I, I don't think it's too much of an alarm, especially because who knows, right? Like U- Utah State could come out, and they could be they could be a decent team by the end of the year. But I think one of the games that you just you just have to keep your eyes on is, is that Michigan State-Arizona State game. Mm-hmm. That that game is going to be interesting on Saturday to see how, how this Barnes team responds to you know, a, a heck of a lot of trouble against a team that they probably shouldn't have struggled against in, in Arizona I State. Shouldn't have struggled against, or <laughs> they shouldn't have struggled against them. Yeah. I don't think so at all. Yeah, they shouldn't have. And I mean, you know, you 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 know play a team in Arizona State that that beat UTSA, you know, forty nine to seven. Yeah, you were supposed to win that game. You were supposed to blow them out, but still, they looked really good, and, and they also provided a blood. It wasn't like they won twenty one seven. No, they they spanked them, and they they should have. Whereas Michigan State, in their situation where they probably should have spanked Utah State, they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think in that game, you know, there's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of, you know, I, I assume there's a lot of locker room talk as in, you know, what do we need to do to figure this thing out? I think that I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. I don't I don't think it's easy to sit back and say, we've got, you know, A, B, C, D, and E that are wrong. How do we fix it? And that's tough to do, like, just in a week of practice, try to fix all those things. So definitely... You know the the game to watch is, is Michigan State Arizona State. I, I think Arizona State is is a good team who, you know, could could really be like a sleeper potential, um, especially in this one. That also just for the rest of the rest of their season, they they might be all right. No, yeah, for sure. And I mean, Utah State was a team that went six and six last year. Actually, six and seven by the end of the season, um, they lost in their bowl game. So unless they had a lot coming back and that I I mean that nobody knew about or whatever that they were supposed to be better, I, I really think it was just one of those games where you know Michigan State kind of let it. Get away from them again. They they let a team in there that wasn't supposed to be there. Now, how many times have we seen this with Mark D'Antonio that they play down to their competition, but yet they still end up being in the big game? A lot, but it's it's still to me it's a little bit alarming, um, especially like what you said. You know, Arizona State that's not bad competition. So when when you go up and you have to play against a team like that, I mean, especially when you have to go on the road late night. I mean, it's not your time zone, anything like that. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of games you got to be ready for. And also, 
Oh, go ahead. And Michigan State is going to want to blow the doors off them because you want to prove something. I mean, at this point, you don't you don't want to make games close in the non-conference anymore. You don't want to let these games you're supposed to win be close anymore because you don't want to be a team that you know is looked at like that. I mean, a lot of players will tell you that they don't care about rankings and everything else, but really, at the end of the day, they do. They do. I mean, because if you're playing for, if you're playing to get to your national title, which is your goal, um, well, you, you have to be about rankings. Yeah, so, you got to be up top. I mean, they dropped the 15th, so they they did fall back after a close game like that. So, you know, it's 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 kind of questionable right now. But I think the guy to watch that nobody's talking about is for Arizona State at least the senior quarterback Manny Wilkins. He's He's a guy who can tear it up. He had 237 yards for four touchdowns, no interceptions in his last game. And if you think that's that's not enough, I mean, he's been a starter since 2016. Looking back to 2017, he threw for, for 3,270 yards, 20 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. Like, he's definitely he a guy that can he can, throw ball. he can move the chains. He can he can get the job done. And anytime you have a quarterback like that, I don't care from I don't care what school he's from. If there's a quarterback that can throw the ball like that. You got to watch out because that that can be you know one play and bam you got a touchdown. That that's just plain and simple how it is. If you have anybody, anybody that comes in like that with those kind of statistics where you kind of you know can tell they that can he's be good and air it out kind of a guy, especially when they're that late in their career. They're trying to play for something. They want to win a big game. They want to win oh, a yeah. game that proves something for the rest of their life. No matter whether I mean no matter if they end up in the NFL or whatever. That's that's a game that'll mean something to you for a long time if you can be a you know a high ranked team in the Big Ten or something like that. Those are the kind of games that you know people from a school like Arizona State would look at as a huge win. So I think I think in that in that game, um, you know the way that Michigan State wins is looking at Arizona State as a team that you know maybe doesn't have the strongest defensive line. Is is you got to give it to L.J. Scott and you got to let him pound the ball up the middle and he's got to go go go, and you know once he can do that a couple of times, then that'll give Lewerke enough time to you know run a couple of play actions, drop back, uh, maybe some RPOs. It just gives them options, you know, to, to do damage. If they can get the run game going first, I think you start with that, and then you kind of let the rest figure itself out. And in this game, I got Michigan State, but again, it's going to be close. Elena? I agree with I agree with Evan. I think that Michigan State's going to take it, but they're not going to come out. I mean, they're just going to let them hang around still. All right. Everybody's going to call me a slappy, but I'm going <laughs> Arizona State in this game. What I saw last week was enough to convince me that Michigan State is maybe not going to be as good here early in the year. I think they're going to get figured out as the season goes along. But I think this is going to be the shocker of the weekend. Mm -hmm. I think Arizona State has enough assets in this team. And with being at home, I think it's going to be something that surprises Michigan State and I can be ready for this game. I think it just really shocks me how we, like last week we were talking about how ready Michigan State should be because they have a lot of people coming back. They have back all these people back. They should be ready, but sometimes that doesn't always do the job, and I think that they're, they're the kind of team that is going to come along as the season goes along. But right now, I thought I saw last week, don't think they're ready. I think Arizona State's a good enough team to take them down, and they're going to get one of those last drive you know, type wins at home um, and one of those upsets in the non-conference season. What about fantasy football? Oh, I'll tell you something about fantasy football. I love me some fantasy football. <laughs> we that's, got games on Sunday, all down the list. And that's the best part. If you never have done fantasy football before, if you're not a part of it, you should get into it. Because seriously, it's it's like, I, okay, the NFL was never my favorite. I've always been a college football fan more. I mean, sure, I'll watch the Lions on Sunday, whatever it is. But fantasy football, I mean, really at the, the end of the day, that that's what got me into the NFL more and so I could learn more about all these players and everything. You hear these people that sound like nerds and they end it like sports nerds and they just know everything about every player in the NFL. A lot of the time it's because they do fantasy football. It's something that's great to do, get involved with your friends, whatever. If you're if you're living at distance like me with a lot of people that I do um, leagues with and stuff, it's a great way to keep up with them if you never have the chance to do anything else with it. Waver money over it. I promise you people will want to do it. It's a, it's a great thing to do. But 
today we're going to try to tell you guys, uh, you know, some of the some of the positions that you should, you know, players you should probably draft. Um, you know, obviously there's the top ones. Like if you're looking at wide receiver, you're probably going to go with Antonio Brown if you get the chance. If you're going to quarterback, you're going to go with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I want to tell you some of the guys that maybe, you know, are a little bit further down the list that you should look in a realistic round to be able to get um, uh, get some of these players. So starting at quarterback, I mean, yeah, okay, the obvious four, no matter what, for the past bunch of years have been consistent. You got Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. No doubt. A lot of people are going to tell you that a guy like Alex Smith is number five at Washington. Wrong. I don't think that either. I think that that is completely wrong. He ne- he, he went for years without throwing a touchdown to a wide receiver at at Kansas City. That's not what you want in your team no matter what. I know he's a mobile guy. He can maybe run one in his own. Could be completely different in coaching. Don't think he's the fifth-rated quarterback overall like ESPN gives him uh, coming down the line. But I think guys you got to look for, Ben Roethlisberger. He's older, um, but people, you know, they kind of they kind of criticize him for his, in, like, injuries or something he could have. One thing is he never comes out of games for sure because he's kind of like steel. But at the same time, he quietly had a really good season last year where he threw for over 300 yards a game. That's the kind of guy you want to go to um, this year to be able to get if you can get him in your late rounds because he's got guys like Antonio Brown and uh, Smith-Schuster to be able to throw to. That's stuff that's going to help you out a lot. Um, and I also think Matt Ryan is a really good comeback candidate, in my opinion. I think that he had a rough year last year, but I think this year quietly he comes back and has a really good season, kind of more along the lines of where he was a Super Bowl um, contender. So those are my three top quarterbacks. Do you guys have anybody else that you would want to go for? I mean, just to keep it, you know, Short and to the point, I think, you know, one of my guys that I look at that's a little bit farther down is Dak Prescott. I like what he does. And I like the way that he can, you know, he can really run an offense. You know, I, I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be too heavy on a guy like Kirk Cousins or, you know, and Andrew Luck. Well, I did draft Andrew Luck in one of my leagues. I wouldn't be too heavy on him either. Um, I would say probably, you know, avoid that one. You know, Deshaun Watson could be could be all right if he can you know, maintain his health and stuff like that. Um, you know, Philip Rivers, he, for a while, he was kind of one of the top guys that you always wanted. Maybe not so much anymore. I don't know. I, I like I like Los yeah. Angeles this year. I think they had a good team coming back. They yeah. could win that division. Matt Ryan's pretty overrated. Um, you know, Matt Stafford's all right. I think you really hit the, hit the nail on the head, though, with some of those guys in there that, that are interesting. I mean, if I, if I could take a guy anywhere between, you know, 10 and 15 when you're talking QBs, yeah, Big Ben's got to be the guy just because of his weapons around him. And the fact that he has... He has a run game to open things up too, which is which is really helpful as well. But yeah, I mean, those are probably yeah. I mean, you pretty pretty much got the job done there. Yeah, Elena. What do you guys think about Eli Manning since this whole Odell Beckham thing? I think he's still not that good. I, I think he's. I, know, but... I, I think he's still in the downslope. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's gonna be my. I think that Eli Manning is gonna be. Gonna be. He's aging, that- and I mean, yeah, he's gonna have more weapons again this year um, with OBJ, and then Sterling Shepard comes back, and I think that that's huge. Sterling Shepard could be a very good receiver there, um, someone to look for in your draft in your late rounds for sure. Um, but I don't know if I can agree with you on that. I think that I think that if there's anything that is a downfall, those receivers in New York, it's probably him. But the one thing that I will say that I think will make him better is Saquon Barkley. I think that having a running back there mm-hmm. that was the top talent. Um, in, in period in the draft. I know he wasn't the number one overall pick, but he was the best player in the draft overall. Um, I think having him and actually being able to probably have a run game this year with him, that could do wonders for that guy, even mm-hmm. even at an older age. So yeah. that's where I see the positive side of that. Um, the only one I disagree with with Evan is Dak Prescott. I think that he doesn't have enough there anymore without Des Bryant, and I think that is, with Cole Beasley as your top target, I don't see it being enough for them to be able to really do anything um, for the passing game. I think Zeke Elliott's going to struggle this year because of that as well. 
Um, which brings me into the running back section of this, because obviously that's the most important position when you're looking at your fantasy sheet. You want to have a running back that's really good. I mean, most running most leagues have two running backs, so you got to draft good with that. It's always kind of the part where I'm going through my draft board and I'm going to draft like I've been the past couple nights, and I'm like, man, do I want to like just stack it at receiver at this point because I got better talent there, or do I really want to go back to running back? Sometimes it's kind of tough because some of these guys were rookies last year that showed out and were really good. Um, like Alvin Kamara, that's the kind of guy that you might question coming back. David Johnson, he comes back off of an injury this year, uh, ACL injury. Christian McCaffrey, a lot of people were hyping up, but when was the last time Carolina really had a good running game? There's a lot of questions there, um, but the one guy that I'm going to tell you that I think you should go for is Melvin Gordon uh, at, the, at the Los Angeles because he had a really good season last year quietly, and I think that you know with weapons coming back, um, for like Keenan Allen for uh, Philip Rivers this year, I think it opens up the game a lot more for Melvin Gordon. I think he could be very good. One other guy that I think you should go for is Kareem Hunt because I think no matter what in that system with the Kansas City Chiefs, they got to give him the ball. They got to feed they him. Always do. Yeah. Always give people the ball in that system. It makes them look good. They get fantasy points if you're in a PPR league, which is point per reception. It's the it's the kind of guy to go to because they throw to him all the time. Now I know that they're not going to have Alex Smith this year. Could change it, but it's still Andy Reid. That's the way that he runs his offense. I think it'll be there. The one bust I think you should not go for would be LaShawn McCoy. He's still going to be facing those possible charges all year. Could come into your lineup at any second. Do not draft him. Do not draft him early. Do not draft him early. I think it's the wrong pick. You can always go for someone that's better at a different position than that. I think my guy to kind of stay away from, too, um, you know, for me, at least be Joe Mixon. With the, yes. with the Bengals. They just have so Absolutely. many running backs. Like, it's not even... They, they, they say in notes that he's going to be the no matter what starter this year. Well, he's going to be yeah, the bell guy. It's not, Jeremy it's not going to be true. And Gio Bernard, like, there's not a reason for him to... It's, there's, they have three running backs who were who have all been, I guess, besides Mixon, who was supposed to be the starter this year. But, you know, both those guys were starters at yep. one point as well. So you got these three good running backs in there. Like, there's no reason to draft Joe Mixon just because, I mean, why would you want that on your team? A guy that is going to be sharing snaps all the time. He's a he's a definite no for for me. It's always by committee there, and it do, it definitely makes it frustrating. I think other guys to watch out for that you probably shouldn't take. Uh, I think that Derrick Henry doesn't have enough in Tennessee um, with the way that that offense is ran with Marcus Mariota. Don't think he's really gonna be a guy to go to. I think the one guy you really want to aim for that are going later right now um, would be Jordan Howard. I think you want to go for him because I think he's gonna get pretty much the load of the carries there. Um, except, I mean, Tree uh, Cohen could probably take some away from him, but I think overall Jordan Howard is definitely the guy to look for there. Um, and then if you're also looking for another guy in your later rounds, I think Lamar Miller has a really good bounce back year. He struggled a lot last year, but if you look at his games when Deshaun Watson was in the lineup, as long as Deshaun Watson can stay healthy, he was one of the top running backs in the league, top 15. So I think it's a guy you go for at your running back too. Elena, what ones um, are we looking for here? Um, see, I was going to say Le'Veon Bell, but then I don't know what's going on with him right yeah. now. I mean, I don't know. I heard he's not going to play the first game, so we'll see what's going on with that. But obviously, he'd be a... Yeah, it says he isn't expected to play in the season opener. But, like, um, they don't really know why, right? Well, it, it, it's because he's yet to sign. Like, they, he's pretty much wanted this since last year. If you remember, right, he was going through um, training camp and everything. He wanted the big contract. And pretty much what it comes down to at the end of the day is Antonio Brown got it over him. Wide receivers are more durable than running backs. Running backs get hurt quicker and earlier. Le'Veon Bell still hasn't got that big offer or anything like that. He hasn't signed his franchise tag. So, I mean, really, he's he's still kind of stuck in that phase right now where he he wants to sign for more money and they're not going to give it to him. It could have been what OBJ would have been like if the if you know the New York wouldn't have given in and just given him the $19 million a year contract, which I still think is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. I don't think you sign Bell for that much either because he's kind of getting up there in age. Yeah, he is probably the best running back in the league, no question. But... It's just it's too risky with injury to be able to do that. I mean, Todd Gurley could be a, a better running back as well, but yeah, oh yeah, I was gonna say him too. Like, 
I, th- I mean, I think he'd be obviously a good pickup because of last year, but yeah, we'll any, see what he can do. Anybody you can draft pretty much those top three spots, I would take any of them. But the problem is right now with Le'Veon Bell is he isn't signed yet, so it's kind of questionable to do something like that. What about, uh, what about with Garrett Blunt? It's risky. I drafted him in one of my leagues. Because everyone keeps saying that Kerryon Johnson is probably going to be the guy that gets all the carries there. He's going to start. You think no matter what, he's going to start? To start the season? Everybody's oh, yeah. saying that Kerryon Johnson is going to be the guy. Nah. He, I mean, he will be like at he, some and point. He, and but... he, and he, yeah, exactly. He could take it over as the season goes along. If he well, really then you drop one and pick the other one up. No one's going to have him anyway. I think, well, Kerryon Johnson right now is going higher in draft boards than LeGarrette Blount. So, Garrett Blunt's going undrafted. So when it comes when it when it comes through to that, I don't know, man. I think I think I'd have to take Kieran Johnson before I take Garrett Blunt. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, that's my pick. But I think it is a good sneaky one because he's a touchdown kind of guy, and he always falls forward. Touchdown dependent running backs are sketchy. Stay away from Marshawn Lynch if you're going to do that because he's always a touchdown dependent back. I had him last year; it sucked. One running back, I think you should no matter what not take Alex Collins from Baltimore. Baltimore is Joe Flacco. They have a terrible offensive line. Don't go for Alex Collins. Um, so if there's one person that you really had to go for a deep dive for that you wouldn't expect, like, you know, just wouldn't be the guy you would take, who would it be? That was what I was saying. Garrett Blunt. Garrett Blunt's your pick. Oh, yeah, that's my guy for, for that spot. Yeah. Like, no matter what, like, that's, that's, you think that's your best, like, sleeper pick? Yeah. It's honestly, it could be a really good one. So I really can't say it yet. The one that I kind of brought Call up. Call me when he leaves him to the playoffs, all right? <laughs> If he actually does, then sure. I think one is uh, Devin Funchness uh, from from Michigan. This year he gets that chance in Carolina to really be the guy um, because they don't have Kelvin Benjamin anymore who got moved over to Buffalo, where he also will be the guy, but hasn't done a lot. Devin Funchness had a good end to last season, getting a lot of touchdowns. I think he's your guy to pick up late in drafts. You were talking all around. I thought you were just talking running backs. Oh, no, 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 any position. Oh, so if you want to go that route, I'll give you my wide receiver too, and I think – you know, he's just lower on boards, and he's going to get drafted. Like, no doubt. It's not like he's going to go undrafted. But Josh Gordon, I mean, ESPN yes, has him listed as number one. 28. Um, you know, he, he's had a lot of weed problems. He can't really stay <laughs> off the weed. But, but, um, but no, like, Yeah, this know, point he's addicted to rehab is what it seems like. He's addicted but he's to a rehab. stud, though. But he, he is was. a he's stud. Great. Yeah. He still is a stud. He's going he's gonna to be legit. As long as he can stay on the field and doesn't have to deal with, you know, the, the off-the-field rules and all that kind of stuff, as long as he doesn't have any issues with that, he he's going to be dangerous, and that's that's the guy that I would pick up. You know, you get into those late rounds, and you say, "Hey, I need a wide receiver." I go after him because he he's got talent. Sure, Elena. Are we talking wide receiver or what? Uh, really, anything I'm that just... it could be a wide receiver um, that you think is going to be really good, but anybody that you think is a, a sneaky pick in the draft that someone might not think. I, I'm going to go with Devin Funches too. I, I think. I just. I mean. I think I, he's great. Yeah, at the I end of the day, so I, think, I think he's the right pick. Oh, um, Kenny Galladay too. You know, very back. good one, huge, and he's a target that Matt Stafford could definitely like. Um, I think one that not a lot of people are thinking about or think that just because Amari Cooper's there, he's not going to be good, um, Jordy Nelson, because he was so good in Green Bay um, and all the stuff about age and whatever. He's getting old, man. Yeah, last year, <laughs> but last year, but last year, Crabtree last literally kind of took it. He made Amari Cooper struggle because of all the red zone targets and everything. Crabtree's not there anymore. I think Jordy Nelson can come back, and if he can stay healthy, he could be a very good weapon for Derek Carr over there. So, See what happens with that, but well, Will Will Fuller too, and he a, might. He, a lot of people like him, but he got hurt a year ago, so it's it's one of those guys. It's like he's come back from injury, kind of mm-hmm. like Jordy Nelson. I think he'd be really good. I, I mentioned Sterling Shepard. He's one of those kind of guys. I think he'd be good, but comes back from injury. Here we go, roll the boat, baby. Corey Davis. I think Corey <laughs> Davis could be really good this year on that offense. He he he's got a year under his belt now to be able to kind of you know get back and maybe be good. 
I'd watch out for Corey Davis. He's someone that if you get a chance to pick him for your wide receiver three, I'd say take him. What about Mike Wallace? Guy that's been around in fantasy drafts since 1997, my friend. Every year he seems to somehow get picked. So. 2009, but yeah, nonetheless. <laughs> it's, the, it's the joke. He's like, okay, yeah, he's, no, still, he's still around. Like, he's going to go so late, though. Like if, you, if you're in a deep league and you need somebody... It's always one of those guys like, that can get you 10 points a game if if he gets a touchdown or whatever. It's kind of like a Pierre Garçon. It's the same kind of thing. So, he had I mean he had a, he had a pretty good, you know, he had a pretty good preseason and he looked looked all right. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys where you never know what you're going to get. Like you could get 2 points and you could get, you know, 15 out of him. Like you just don't know mm-hmm. what he's going to give you, but I mean, if you really need to take your chances there, Go after him. He's, he's going to go late. My last wide receiver to stay away from, Jamison Crowder. I've had him in the past. He's not good. Comes back to Washington. They're trying to convince everybody that he's going to be good again this year. I don't think he shows up and does much anything out of the slot. So, end of the day, I think he's a bust pick. Um, is there anybody that really sticks out there in you guys' radar that's a bust pick to you guys? I mean, not really a ton. I mean, looking at the early rounds, I mean, you look at look at some of these guys in here, and you just, I don't know, I mean, T.Y. Hilton, like, yeah, he's good, but how much is – you know, luck is, is luck actually going to be able to deliver? I mean, looking at last year, Ty only had four touchdowns, mm-hmm. didn't even, didn't have a thousand yards, and he's he's like their number one. So I don't know. I agree with that. I think it's a really good pick, and I think they I think that Andrew Luck hasn't played a full season since God knows when. Was he still getting coached by Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> I, I mean, mean, he did he, though, he, did, yeah. he did for the Colts, but it's just I mean, you never know what you're going to get out of that quarterback there. So. What about Golden Tate? Not, I mean, like as a bust. It it's very it could very well be true as well. A lot of people believe in the Marvin Jones and Golden Tate combination. I agree with you though. I would not take Golden Tate like in a draft anytime before being a wide receiver three. A lot of people are taking him as their wide receiver two. He's got attitude problems on and off the field. I think mm-hmm. he's a risky pick there as well. So that's that'll be it for our first fantasy preview here. We might get back in a couple of weeks to you guys and talk about it a little bit more to see where some of our players are at and what they're doing. But we'll wrap up the show now with our uh, stud and duds. Um, and Evan, I'll start with you on your stud. Yeah, so for me this week, my stud is the Oklahoma Sooners, the entire football team, because they they absolutely, you know, they spoiled Lane Kiffin and they spoiled, you know, Florida Atlantic and just absolutely blew them away. You know, they, they spoiled that debut um, for their season. And, and man, you know, 63-14, they really, they really ran all over them and they, they worked in the ground. They had four different running. They had four different, you know, rushing touchdowns. They had two different quarterback score touchdowns. It was just like a, it was a barrage of touchdowns, and it was really impressive to me the way they were able to move the ball. And I know Florida Atlantic isn't the greatest, you know, ever, but you know, people were pretty high on Lane Kiffin, and you know, mm-hmm. and ends up losing by a ton. So yeah, I, yeah, I got Oklahoma as as my number one, my fave. All right, mine is gonna be Tua. How do you say his last name? Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Just because he was awesome. I mean, really. Who's your starting quarterback? Tua. Has to be. <laughs> if it's not Tua, I think you're watching yeah. the wrong team. Come on, yeah. you, you, because, what? What are you going to say, Evan? I was going to pull a little Nick Saban joke, but it's it's good. You can it, say it. I'll say die it. out. I was looking for you to say, you know, don't ask me that question anymore, or you know, <laughs> no, I don't want to give a response, or something along those lines. I, but it's all that was on sports radio the next day on Sunday. Anything I, I heard about college football was just it's got to be it's got to be about this whole situation. Yep. I think it's ridiculous. It was too. Nick Saban and Colin Kaepernick, and that's really what that's really what it's been about this name, past week. Name good, good good column by the way, and Colin Kaepernick. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, look on uh, CM Life. Definitely out there. I haven't wrote a good one on that whole situation, but. 
My uh, my stud for the weekend or for the week I actually just found out this morning is uh, Kevin Gamble from Central Michigan. Let's go. Um, he he, he was the uh, assistant basketball coach or one of the assistant basketball coaches on the men's team. Uh, he's going to the Toronto Raptors where he's going to be a uh, an NBA uh, scout like specialist type guy. So. I think it's good for him. Good move. I think it's really good for him uh, to be able to go there and, and take that role, and I think it's the right move in your career um, to move on and kind of get somewhere else with everything. So no doubt. good on you, Kevin. He was a good guy. Glad to know him, and I'm uh, definitely excited to see where his career takes him. Elena, I'll go back to you now for a dud. Uh, my dad is going to be Kansas because they lost to Nichols. <laughs> Kansas. Kansas, baby. <laughs> the Jayhawks. We're a basketball school, they say. Evan? Yeah, so I got UCLA as my dud. Um, they lost They lost by 11 to the Cincinnati Bearcats, and it was just absolutely atrocious. Wilton Spade goes in there, uh, former Michigan quarterback. Yep. Now he's over there as a grad transfer, 8 for 12, 45 yards, and one interception, didn't throw a touchdown. He got injured. Dorian Thompson-Robinson comes in, and, and man, let me, let me tell you, the DTR hype train has officially gotten underway. I mean, th- this guy was a four-star, five-star, depending on what site you like to look at, prospect coming out of high school. Went to Bishop Gorman in in uh, in Las Vegas, and he was, I mean, he was a guy that could like legitimately tear it up against any high school defense. And he came in here after Wilton Spade was out as a true freshman, and and lit it up. You know, fifteen for twenty five, one hundred seventeen yards, and he also has that presence where he can run the ball as well. So you have a little bit of both that keeps defenses on their toes. They lost the game, and UCLA is my dud because of it. But this Dorian Thompson Robinson kid, you got to watch out for him. If Wilton Spade's not able to go in the future, they decide to make a switch and let this guy run with it as a true freshman, he might be able to turn something around there for the Bruins. But, you know, they they take on Oklahoma next week, and, yeah, it's Oklahoma. You're, you're going to get beat, <laughs> and it's going to be bad, and it's going to be another another tough loss for, for UCLA, in my opinion. But, nonetheless, DTR looks great. UCLA looks like they're awful. That's how it is right now. Never thought I'd have to say this on a podcast because he was always one of my favorite athletes when he was in Michigan. But Braylon Edwards, you're my dud. Um, and all the and all the crap about this guy is doing his job or whatever that I see on Twitter. Ridiculous. You're wrong because that is not how you do your job as a professional. That's not how you do it in the sports world. And you especially don't attack for one. You don't attack college kids like that. You never drop an f bomb in your tweet. His tweet was Ruiz is weak, Line is weak, Shea is scared, effing Michigan offense is so predictable. Dot 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 dot. Michigan football is sadly one thing. Dot 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 dot. Trash. I don't have a problem with you saying that Michigan sucks. If, if you want to say they sucks, if you want to say they tweet, whatever. That's your own opinion, and you should say it. If you don't think they're good and you think they got a lot of problems, say it. That's a ridiculous tweet to have against uh, attack a bunch of kids when you're supposed to be one of the people that comes from that school and is someone that people look up to. He's always been a head case. He was a head case when he was at Michigan. Seems like he's still the same thing. He got suspended from the Big Ten Network, which I agree with. Because when you do that in this kind of field, if I were to do that in my job tomorrow, if I were to start tweeting F-bombs off my Twitter about <laughs> Central Michigan sports, I bet you I wouldn't have a job the next day. So that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it's right. And Braylon Edwards, you're absolutely my dud this week. But that'll wrap it up for us. Um, we're we're going to plug in our Twitter handles now so you guys can follow us. Make sure you keep up with it. Um, I am at Andy underscore McDonald 23. Evan? I am at Evan Petzl. Pretty simple. Just my name. I am at Hess136. And you guys can follow all those. Get our we, we post our podcast weekly, so make sure you do that. Also check out the CM Life Twitter account. It goes out there. SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. Find it out there. So thank you guys for listening. We'll talk at you next time. <laughs>